Hey Star Wars fans, welcome to a very special episode of the Jedi Council podcast. And the reason why it's a special episode, it's a trailer reaction uh, podcast. So I am your host, Alex, and thank you very much for joining us. If this is your first time of finding us, what a great time to find us, talking about the episode 9 final trailer that was released yesterday on the 21st of October. If this is a repeat listen, thank you very much for your your friendship. Thank you very much for your fandom. Thank you very much for listening to us on an ongoing basis. We, again, hope to keep you entertained discussing, I would normally say everything and anything about Star Wars, but we have one particular thing that we are all gathered around the mic uh, to talk about today, and that is that final trailer. And I'm not alone. Of course I'm not. What a boring trailer reaction that would be if it was just me. We have four members of the council today. Uh, Mera is sadly missing today, the First Lady of the Jedi Council. As time zone permitting, uh, she isn't free, sadly. But I am joined by Mr. Contrary himself, Alistair Clark. Say hello, Ali. Hello, Alex. And not Mera, who's not here. Indeed, she is not. And I'm also joined by my good buddy and my brother in the force, Dave. Say hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello. And making a welcomed return to the show is Mr. Lego. Andy, say hello, Andy. Hello, Andy. It is good to have you on the microphone, gentlemen, at this very quick reconvene. Um, We all saw the trailer today. 
Uh, so for, for you listeners that are in the States, you were lucky enough that you got the trailer on Monday evening. So obviously during Monday Night Football, um, the, the trailer dropped. However, being in the UK, we are five hours behind the East Coast, meaning we didn't get the trailer till like three o'clock in the morning. And gentlemen, who was up at three o'clock in the morning ready to watch this? Or did we wake up for work the next day and watch it first thing in the morning? First thing in the morning. I was still in bed when I was watching it. Yeah, I, I had every intention of actually staying up, but then I thought, nah. <laughs> it's too early. You made the grown-up decision. I did, I did. Well, I'm surprised at you, Ali, because you're a Pats fan, so I thought you'd be up watching the game. Mate, there's no need when you're smashing the Jets 33-0 to, <laughs> to stay up. I mean, I would hate to support a team who can't win a game, but, you know. There's, there's nothing wrong with going 0-7 for the season. You know, we will we'll win something. I'm a Dolphins fan. This is a tangent no one understands. No, no. this is not the this is not the NFL podcast. No, uh, <laughs> it is not. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we waited for the following morning. To Dave's point, I too watched it. Uh, my alarm went off at twenty past six as it does on a regular weekday. Um, within two minutes of my alarm going off, I watched it on my phone twice in a row. Um, and to get into the podcast, gentlemen. What are your initial thoughts? I'm going to go to Andy first, as, as you've not been on the show for a while, mate. I thought I'd give you some air time. First thoughts after seeing the trailer. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I was, I, I want to say, blown away. Um, it's obviously, like most trailers now, dangling um, a lot of carrots. It doesn't really give much away. But yeah, I mean, visually, it looks stunning. Absolutely stunning. Um, possibly one of the most stunning films I think I'm ever going to see. It's sort of setting this expectation there, where I, I really, really, really want it to be amazing. Um, this is the, I think this is the third trailer style thing we've seen, mm-hmm. and and each one of them I'm just I'm just so excited, really, really excited. It's like a proper big cinema event for me. This is, um, and the, yeah, this this trailer just is the icing on the cake. Some of the visuals are in it are just stunning, absolutely stunning. The the throne with all that the, the horn things around it is, is a particular favourite of mine, mainly because I absolutely love Palpatine. Um, <laughs> and obviously, that's associated with him. Yeah, he's your guy. He is, he is my guy. He's my guy. Um, Dave, as people know, or people might not know, uh, Dave has drawn me as Palpatine. Um, is, is, I, 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 it changes occasionally, but he is my favourite character, I think, overall. It's just, yeah, yeah, it's big. Uh, yeah, not, not, didn't blow me away this morning, but then it's hard for a trailer to do that i'm waiting for the film to do that and I'm, I'm i'm pretty sure it will that is a very fair comment i think that's an interesting one that um i too kind of echo didn't completely blow me away but it was intriguing enough to make me think oh this is going to be really good and oh my god i can't wait for it but i'm going to go into my thoughts on that once we do everybody else so dave over to you mate what was your initial thoughts on the on the trailer not a lot of difference to what Andy said, to be fair. I, I, loads of dangled carrots with no actual answers. Um, stunning, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the, the scenes look amazing. Um, it jumps around. There's quite a few different locations that you see, which, yeah, that's good. Um, but but yeah, I, 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 I'm I'm happy that it's not giving away any major spoilers. 
because we we'd already had the Palpatine laugh from a previous trailer, um, so we already had the feeling he was back. Um, so for me, I'm I'm happy that there wasn't massive giveaways, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that one. It's always good when a trailer, and too many trailers in the past have kind of given away the whole plot of a movie, which defeats the object. The whole point of the trailer, in my mind, whet the appetite, not necessarily show you key scenes, things like that, but enough to make you really want to know more about the film. Mm. Mr. Contrary, what are your thoughts? I am going to be contrary. Um, I agree with some of what Dave and Andy said. However, and it is a big however, I felt that this was, the word I would use for this trailer is safe. It was a very safe trailer. There was not any wow moments. And I, and I take Dave's point about Palpatine in the first one being a wow moment. I think in the second, D23, the, the Ray scene with the double lightsaber, that was a wow moment. This one, bearing in mind it's the final bit of promotional material before we see the film, really didn't have any wow moment. Felt completely safe to me. And I think... I think there's a reason behind that and I've sort of this I've read this with other people saying this so it's not an, an original opinion but if you look at other Star Wars films mainly Rogue One um, and you look at Marvel what happened with Infinity Wars recent trailers have ended up with scenes in it that don't actually appear in the film and fans have been saying what the heck is going on with all this you keep seeing these trailers where there's so many edits going on that they actually don't put something which you thought looked amazing in the trailer in the end product. And in fact, we know that they've been shooting a load of retakes in London recently and in the States. So we know that they've obviously done a first cut of this film and decided, no, we need to tweak it quite a bit. So from that, I think they've played this very, very safe. And I actually think what this trailer did for me, taking a, a step back and a wider view of it, is it shows up many many flaws of this entire trilogy Ooh. in a way that perhaps I, I thought about it but it really laid them bare to me and I don't know if you want me to to leave that for the moment Alex and go into it later but I have some quite strong opinions on on how I think this exposes some of the flaws of what the sequel trilogy has been before we start picking it apart and I do want to revisit <laughs> that but, but I'm not picking apart scenes at all. I'm picking no, up general the trilogy, themes. Yeah, no, definitely. I think before we start getting into that, I think let's maybe start looking at the things that we did like. Um, I mean, for me, my my initial thought, very similar to you guys, was that it was, a, it was a good trailer. Didn't give much away. No real moments of, oh, my God, like to your point, when, when Palpatine, the laugh, the cackle at the end... That was a very much of a oh my god moment. Um, there were a couple of cool moments in the trailer. Let's not be kind of negative to, to a certain extent. There were some really good bits, but there wasn't that pinnacle moment of oh my god. It was very much of a ooh, that's really interesting. Um, and maybe they did go safe because you know, let's just take Rogue One for example. The Rogue, in the Rogue One trailer, there was the bit where Jin was trying to get the message out, and that Tie Fighter came up. Um, that didn't make it in the movie, but that looked like quite a quite a big scene, you know. So maybe they are being safe, and you know, 
it, to a certain extent, maybe they have every right to be safe because when you think of how Star Wars had ebbed and flowed of success, for want of a better word, with this new sequel era, maybe they just think, let's just keep it simple. Let's not overcomplicate it because the movie is going to wrap it up nicely. So again, that, that's kind of my, my initial thought. Um, but Ali, you were in full swing. So actually, I'm going to completely change my mind. Let's jump into what you're thinking there, because I think you've clearly got a stream of thought to walk through. So let's have a little listen. What 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 are you thinking? Not pick holes. Maybe pick apart is the wrong phrase that I used. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to pick holes because I agree with you. Like I actually think this is one of the most visually stunning trailers I've ever seen. And if the film continues in that vein, it's going to be awesome. But the Last Jedi was beautiful looking, and a beautiful mm, yeah. looking film does not make a film. Um, okay, I'll, I'll I'll run through some of my thoughts and like I wonder if we can discuss it. My first big thought, thinking behind this is is that when you look at the 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 original trilogy, it's definitely a trilogy, right? Think about the prequels. You could watch it as a standalone trilogy, or you can watch it as part of the six. What I've realised with this trailer is is that the sequel trilogy is not even a trilogy. It doesn't string together at all. And there's several reasons for this. Dave said on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, um, what did we think they were going to do about The Last Jedi? And the truth is, you can see, they've, they have just ignored it. I mean, if you look at even the colour and the way it's filmed, they've taken out the red that you saw on Crate. There's none of that Ryan Johnson type cinematography in this at all. And you can see that they got so burnt on it that what they've done is instead of turning it into a trilogy they're using this last one to make it into a nine-part episode and it gets you thinking when you start thinking in those terms instead of it being a trilogy and it's just wrapping up the end i don't think this would stand up as a trilogy watching it by itself the way the others do and and so you start to think okay let's go back to the original trilogy and start thinking okay we know the emperor's back so when he was saying things about looking into the future and everything's following his plan, was he talking about that immediate timeline? Or are they now trying to retcon that to mean that it's this timeline? I think there's questions that, that when you see this, you start to think, OK, are they going to actually take this and make nine just about the bigger picture and the bigger plan? Which means that they've done such a... I don't want to say bad, but but you know what I mean. It's such a a job on the previous two in this in this trilogy that they just don't work and they don't stand up, and so they they're having to ignore it and they're having to go back to well, actually, this is what happened in episode five, and if you think about it this way, in episode six, that, that it all makes sense now, and they're ignoring it, and and that's what really came through to me on this trailer. You know, when you there's parts of it, and we'll probably talk about individual scenes, but where you see Lando, for example giving a, some sort of pep talk to people. You can see all the pieces in front of you of, of a nine-point series and not a trilogy, and, and I think that's a problem. Thoughts, comments? So, to, a couple of things. When you say timeline, yeah, what do you mean by timeline? I mean that... So, so are they now making it that the Emperor knew that he was 
going to die in Return of the Jedi. Indeed, he didn't die, as we now know. We think we know. We don't know that. But we think we now know that. Did he know that that was going to happen? And in fact, the whole plan was all along was to get Rey and Kylo into a position because he says, I've been waiting for you too. Now, admittedly, it might not be them. It could be other people. We don't know. It could be a misdirection. But I'm so... I really think there's a lot of legs in this them being two halves of the same, of the dark and the light and coming together. And the timeline is, is that this was always the end game for Palpatine, which it never was. Okay, no, no, when you say timeline, I'm thinking, are you thinking time travel? Because obviously time travel has been... I, I think that's going to happen. I'm hoping not. I'm yeah, hoping not. not. Please, I no. really hope it's not, but but you know, there's we've seen we've seen the we've seen the ghostness. We we know that Palpatine in the recent Rebels that we've seen is all about this this beyond this beyond reality beyond the physical realm. And and if he was to have examined that further, where he saw Ezra, it would be perfectly logical in a film to say, well, actually whilst in this realm this is when he learns secrets and that's what we're going to see like i think we're going to see a lot of flashbacks in this film because you know there's a particular scene um that w- that was in this trailer where if you look at it it looks like it's the end of the of the snoke throne scene uh between colorate so are we going to jump across this timeline a lot and look back and see things from a different angle are we going to see the way that uh, the emperor was thrown down the shaft differently. Is that is is that what's going to happen here? I mean, this is all speculation, and so it, this could be this could age very very badly. I know that, <laughs> but it does seem to me that and and I and that's what I mean. There's a problem to 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 say that this has been a successful trilogy in itself. Is that from this trailer, it looks to me like they're just going to go heavy all in on this being a nine nine film saga so you think this is literally going to be it's not going to be movie three in the final trilogy per se it's going to be the final movie in the nine movie arc obviously which it is yeah but it's going to focus on that more than wrapping up this particular trilogy that's exactly what i think is going to happen and i think that's that wasn't i don't think that was the original way it was going to go but i think because of the problems with the last Jedi, and indeed, as we've discussed, like there's no point going through it all over again. But the problems of the setup in the Force Awakens meant that they were so limited. And even if you think, I mean, you're the one who said it before, Alex, that there was a real problem with starting the second film minutes after the first mm-hmm. in this tri- in this trilogy because it meant you couldn't really create a trilogy. And I maintain that to my dying day. Because you <laughs> almost had you had part A and B of the first film, mm-hmm. and then yes part c which means it's not a trilogy it's just not well it was a it's a duology of i mean you know when i'm aware this is not going on a chat about the trailer by the way but i just feel very strongly about these points no i think you're right the theming of the trilogy does kind of show that i don't want to say episode eight didn't exist because there are elements of it that clearly did you know we've seen rose in the trailer um and there's obviously different callbacks, and, and I think they will continue to do that. But I think eight, for the most part, is going to be completely sidelined. I'm not saying that seven will be, but I think when you think of the way JJ 
apparently had uh, a theme throughout the whole three movies. Yeah, he's been very diplomatic in what he's saying about Ryan Johnson's episode eight, whatever. But I think he's going to try and connect the dots from his first movie in this one because obviously we know the Knights of Ren are back. Interestingly, no Knights of Ren in this particular trailer. No. Um, but I don't, I don't, I know what you're saying and I see what, and, and I see your point of view, but I don't think it's connecting the dots. I think it's justifying what happened before rather than saying it's a continuous trilogy. It's saying this happened because of this in those instances. And really it's just focusing on, if we can just park that for a second and just really talk about Palpatine, because then we'll just ignore that. And and it really came to me quite strongly out of this trailer that that seemed to me to be what was happening. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's a funny one. It's a, it's a two minute trailer, and the sizzle reel from D twenty three. When you look at the episode nine footage, was about a minute. The teaser trailer was about another minute. So we've literally seen four minutes of footage. Some of it overlapping. Yeah, we can easily pick pick elements of it and, and kind of guess where we're going of where it is going to go in episode nine. And to your point, Ali, yeah, you know it might not age very well because episode nine may come and go and there's no elements of time travel at all. We never know. But I think when you look at as a collective, which I think we have to, it's they're, they're, Disney are playing on this end of the Skywalker saga. So your point around it being the end of nine has to be taken into consideration because that's exactly what it is. I mean, Dave, when you, when, when you think of all the issues that we've spoke about numerously, and, and you know, to Ali's point, I don't want to go over it again. Wrapping up a nine-movie saga is incredibly difficult because you have to honour what's come before it without, dare I say it, without thinking about the future because if Disney aren't, and Lucasfilm are no longer going to touch this era of Star Wars, they can end it however the hell they want. What do you think? If... If... Ali's right and where he's going with that. What worries me more is again, I'm like looking at this from someone who grew up in the original era trilogy. My fear then would be that to try and wrap up the nine saga, does it mean then that things that have happened in the original trilogy that that were that were the original place that all this began had then pushed and become secondary and unimportant for instance the demise of of vader and his his redemption because the the, the trilogy the original okay so if you go all the way back to what the original trilogy and the original story was the redemption of Vader. I mean, that, that was pretty much what the story was about. And it was set across multiple star systems with multiple battles, and it was one son's journey to redeem his father. He didn't even know who it was his father. And, and ultimately, it came down to the love between the son for the father and so ultimately for the father, for the son, 
and he he was prepared to turn on his master to to protect his son and that 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 was for me that was what the first the original trilogy was about and they then came with the second trilogy the, the the prequels and and that then became the backstory and the rise of anakin and ultimately the fall of anakin to becoming vader so that that joins together quite nicely my question is how does this then join into this um and is it just going to become a bit of a, a clumsy patching in of vader uh, of not vader palpatine um does it mean that the original um sorry dave just to cut in i don't know if you i don't think you were on our first podcast after the first trailer come out and these were the exact points i raised when we were looking at the palpatine coming back in particular will it retcon the past to such an extent to justify a ninth film that's gone in a direction yes. because the eighth film was unsuccessful. Yes. Yes. Is that what they're going to do? Yeah. Is is it is it going to undermine what we've seen from the previous movies? See this. This is where it gets interesting because we all know one to six was. The rise, the fall, the redemption of Vader. We know it's the Skywalker saga because it's his. It was his six movies, and that's all. George Lucas has maintained that from day one. Mm. And then, obviously, to continue the saga in the way that they've done, obviously, we had Luke. We now know that Ben is a solo stroke Skywalker, um, and therefore there was that belief that the Skywalker saga would continue with him or indeed Ray being a daughter, granddaughter, whatever. Um, but because of, to the point you guys have made the way this has gone episode nine, in my, in my opinion, and um, my hope, if they do anything to retcon or to change review up for whatever word you want to use, what has gone on in one to six would be an mm. absolute travesty. Yeah. Um, they have to honor in my mind, what was the chosen one and the chosen one was Anakin. Yes. Now, arguably you could say, well, maybe the chosen ones were Ray and Kylo to your point, Ali, that darken the light rise to meet it and may bring balance to the force that way. I don't know. It's a reinterpretation of the chosen ones prophecy. But on that point, Alex, on that point, the cartoons have showed that they're prepared to do that. Yes. So, 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 so in a cartoon and a film, it's all part of Lucasfilm. That they're prepared to do it. They've done the, the the cartoons though have occurred around the same I ignore resistance for now sure. but we're talking rebels really aren't we that's that's the cartoons that we're talking about here yeah yeah, uh, yeah. the 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 clone wars really didn't change what we'd already seen it was fairly firmly within the 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 established timelines rebels has introduced some new ideas with regards to time travel and and what have you um but for me i didn't really see it 
changing the linear story of, of Vader. Well, well, but but to your point, Dave, and we, we discussed it before, Darth Maul literally asks Obi-Wan if Luke is the chosen one in the prophecy. And they say yes. That's in, mm. that's in Rebels. So, yeah. So that, so, so that so they have shown there's also there's also a question to be asked though on on this idea of prophecy and chosen one that the first trilogy is um good guy child turning bad second trilogy bad person darth vader turning good do we really see kylo ren going from bad to good I, can i can i be a right pain in the bum sure we've spent 40 minutes talking about <laughs> rumors and haven't touched on the trailer Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Sorry, sorry. So, I don't is... think Andy's spoken. No. <laughs> Just to reply to your point very quickly. Yes, I really hope that Kylo it goes to the light. There you no, go. no, please, no. He no can't. one expects that, though. You see, no one expects it. That well, no, actually, there's the loads place. of people saying that that's what they want and that's what they're expecting. I hope they do do that. I really do. Don't. No. Yeah, sorry. Him, him, and, him, him and Ray. Have this happy family and lots of happy children. Yeah, I don't know about that. But... <laughs> I I truly hope not. Well, we'll see. The trailer. They're just re- retreading the original trilogy. <laughs> That's exactly what they've done. Sorry, um, trailer. That's <laughs> yes, the trailer. <laughs> So Andy, you kindly started off giving us a quick update of what you thought you liked about the trailer. Um, why don't we go down a path of actually seeing what what was your highlight of the trailer? What was your favourite scene? So, so yeah, the, the whole reference to Palpatine for me, the the throne looks not only is it so visually impressive, but that whole scene and he's talking in the background, um, and then you have uh, one of the one of the older star destroyers rising out of what looks like it's like smashing through some ice or something as if it's been stored and there was i know there was rumors i could say you do have that scene where all them tie fighters are swooping in towards what looks like a floating iceberg yeah yeah so i I, I do wonder whether that's you know there was a rumor of him going into hiding and waiting for the right moment to to sort of Mm -hmm. strike um i wonder if that sort of confirms that I think that's really cool the way it sort of just rises and all the all this it looks like ice is sort of smashing on the top of it. Um, but yeah, that's 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 pretty cool. Um, there was another scene, there's another bit towards the Can end. Can I ask a question about that though? Go for it. Go for it. Who's dri- Who are the pilot pilots in these <laughs> ships? You was gonna say who's driving that? Well, I was gonna say driving. <laughs> yeah, but who's piloting these ships? Who, who are these old people who have been? Around for forty plus years waiting in the ice. Maybe they're in carbonite. Maybe they're in carbonite. There's a whole rack of, of it just it just imperials. <laughs> Clones or droids? Yeah, droids possibly. Yeah. Shut them down for forty years and reboot them again. Yeah, I heard I heard someone saying that um, it might be like an order execute order six six six. And some old clones start going again. Oh my god! Um, you can imagine the, it. <laughs> the other scene, the other well, the Saturday scene, the other the other quick bit that I wanted to talk about was the bit that looks like it's a bit retro 
in the in the background. I don't know whether it's one of the old ships. And you've got Ray and Kylo, and they sort of destroy what looks like the remnants of Darth Vader or, or some sort of mural to him or something. Yeah. It's a very quick scene. Very, very quick. I think it's about three seconds. But they both yeah. sort of simultaneously cut it down. And that, I think that's quite symbolic. It's almost like Cloud City looking. That's scene. exactly what I was thinking. It looks like yeah, Best yeah. yeah. It does. It does. Um, so that, that I thought was pretty cool. Um, the other bit that I, I, I don't want to say all positive, the bit that I don't think is brilliant in this trailer is the 3PO. Bit. Yes. Sorry. I, I just, it's a bit naff. It's, it's just a bit naff. It's like, oh, my friends. It's like, oh, bless. You know, it's not, it doesn't fit with the rest of the trailer for me. Um, well, the point. The point is though, he spent no time on fil- on camera with these people. They're not his friends. They're not. He hasn't. He hasn't seen them. What about R two? What about Chewie? They're there. Well, yeah, well, those two. But the ways, the way that Poe delivers the line, and those, and other people. They're not that friendly. They've only known each other a little bit. Well, I'd, I'd argue against that because if you think about it, he's probably known Poe quite a long time because he's known Leia and been with Leia. And obviously Poe's kind of grown up around Leia as well. Finn and Ray, fine, get that. Don't know them. But Chewie, friend. R2, friend. Poe, friend. It felt forced to me the way that... You you guys felt that the humour was forced on The Last Jedi. This felt like a forced emotional payback moment for people. And it didn't, it, it didn't work for me. It's interesting because when you think of some of the rumours that kicked around, around, um, I can't remember where the source was on that, but saying that 3PO kind of gets overwritten, for want of a better word, um, which is the reason why we get the red eyes from the previous trailer. And obviously we know that there's an action filler with Chewie's bandolier and his, and his bow cast. So... Is it an acceptance and a yes, he really is going to die, for want of a better word? He's a droid, whatever. Um, but is is that Lucasfilm putting that out there to say, yeah, this is really happening? Well, maybe, but he's already had his memory wiped once before. We know that. Yeah. It'd be interesting to find out how long ago he had his last one. Is it literally at the end of Revenge of the Sith? Is that yeah. literally the last time that he's had it done? Yeah. Because obviously we know that R2 hasn't. Yeah. It just felt a bit, to Andy's point, I, I felt it felt a bit forced. It did, it did. Um, I felt like they want me to feel a certain way. Exactly. And I, I don't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because you just, it's hard to care about the main characters. Yeah. Dave, um, 3PO is your guy. How do you feel? Uh, I can see Ali's perspective there, and I would agree that they're not his friends. But that then links into what we've said previously on podcasts that there is a disconnection that there's a lack of family feel to the heroes of the new trilogy yeah when when you look at the amount of shared screen time and so the the amount of shared the the assumption is the amount of time spent together by the original heroes the original era trilogy and even the prequel trilogy um heroes there's none of that real shared screen time so far in any of the movies. Um, so, yeah, I I can sort of agree with that. Um, with with three PO's comment there, it didn't feel quite right. But yeah, 
and just to go back to your cloud city point as well andy it a lot of people suggest online that that it could well be cloud city but is this showing that time travel is a thing and that they're going through some of the best hits of star wars so they're retracing the steps and be like you know if you think about the way the d23 trailer started which was kind of a best of montage are we going to see that in this film well, they sort of did that with Endgame, didn't they? When they, they did the time travel thing, and they also revisited key scenes of yeah, the whole yeah, MCU. Did. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm hoping they don't do that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, you could I, be right. It could be complete nonsense again, but but it's something that I've read, and so I thought it was worth just debating. What do you think, Alex? I mean, don't forget, Cloud City was taken over by the Empire at the end of Empire Strikes Back. Yep. So let's not. I don't know. Could it be? It could be. Oh, I've got, you know, the thing is, look at Kylo's helmet. This film is going to you turn into see... Quantum Leap. Yeah. <laughs> but Kylo's helmet, if you look at it, it's not the version that we've seen for the third film. The cracks aren't in it. The red isn't in it. So it could well be like a, a force flashback or something like that. It could be a force vision. Yeah, it could It could well be that. But it could. it could also be them jumping through time. As best yeah. versions of themselves, but but you can clearly see his helmet is not the one that we've been led to believe that is in this film. Can I change the subject just a second and ask Sorry. a question? Yeah, are we all in agreement that throughout the whole trailer, the Death Star is in appearance? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 How how is that possible when it was completely blown to, to point at your faces? It could be the remains on Endor because the opening scene could well be Endor. I, where yeah, I think it is Endor. Right running through the yeah. forest. So we think, but I mean, these are massive chunks. So you know the bit that's towards the end of the trailer. It says the story yeah. is forever, and you've got Ray and Kylo, and they're they're in the Emperor's throne room, in front, and it's in front if, of that little circular window. If you consider that the the second Death Star was larger than the first Death Star, yeah. so it's the, it's the size. Yeah, so it's the, it's the size of a decent-sized moon at that point. You blow it up, you're going to have... It doesn't disintegrate into dust. You're going to have jock-off pieces of, of architectural steel floating around. Yeah, so, so in that case, this has to be on Endor. So that's, that's parts of it has to be on Endor. In that yeah, case. yeah, moon off, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the first scene, the the helmet that you can see Ray dropping looks exactly like what we've seen before. So I, I think it probably is Endor. Do we think it's the forest moon of Endor, i.e. what's on Return of, Return of the Jedi, or do we think it's the planet that Endor is orbiting? I think it could be both. Because when you think of Endor, now I know we only saw bits and pieces of it, it was all green and foresty and, and this, that and the other, there didn't seem to be huge amounts of space of water. Now, obviously, like I said, we've only seen a little bit, so I could be completely wrong. Whereas the planet that it orbits, we've never seen. So, it, yeah, it could be both. They could go to the forest moon to start with and then maybe go to the planet i don't know yeah because i mean to date today's favorite point about you know the bombs being able to drop in the last jedi mm. dave how did the death yep. star end up on the on the ground how did the what end up on the ground the death star how did it end up on the ground there's no gravity well, 
Well, no, it makes a difference, though, because you've got an explosion. So an explosion would throw pieces out, and so you would have some parts of that planet re-entering the atmosphere and crashing down onto the planet. Yeah, and then, and then the gravity of the planet would pull them down. To the yeah. Earth. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, okay. Slightly to burn up in the atmosphere. Mm, depends upon the size of it. You yeah, it depends on the size of the energy trajectory as well. well but you, yeah, if you think of the meteor that landed on Earth that destroyed the dinosaurs, yeah, that managed to make it down to the Earth. Yeah, yeah, but that that was huge, you know. And we were talking about little parts dropping it, off to it, allow you to have a bridge intact. The, the the current ideas around that meteor were not that it wasn't that big. It was it was big and it, it had a lot of mass to it, but it's not the size of a small moon. You're talking a mountain-sized chunk of rock. I'm slightly concerned we're going off topic here. Yeah. We're talking about the dinosaurs. I'm, I'm, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's, my, it's, it's my geology degree. Um, the other thing linking into my geology degree, which worries me slightly, and we're talking about the possibility here of it being Endor's, the, the planet that Endor is the moon of. Mm-hmm. Now, Okay, it's a Star Wars universe, so it doesn't have to follow normal physics. However, for a moon, for a moon the size of Endor, which had a Earth-like gravity, let's say, to be orbiting another planet, that planet must be huge. And current understanding of planets is for a planet to be that big, it's going to have to be a gas giant like Bespin. It, it, it can't be a solid planet, because a solid planet's gravity would just be immense. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't really know how to, how to follow on from that, to be fair. <laughs> I just like it. No one else is discussing this. It kind of then goes back to the point that you made earlier on, Andy, around the star the star destroyer rising from the ice. Yeah. Mm. Do we think that's the same planet or do no. we think that's a completely different planet? I, I think that's completely in the outer rim somewhere out there. Yeah, so I, do I. I, I, I think it's, it's like, like this. The so the em- yeah. So the Emperor summons the Star Destroyers. For want of a better word. Yeah, well, well, actually, just... One thing we've not seen, because okay, uh, sorry, I sorry to interrupt there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you mentioned there's no Knights of Ren in this trailer. I'll tell you, mm-hmm. I'll tell you what else isn't in this trailer. There's no General Hooks. No, he's not. And there's no trailer, Richard E. Grant's character neither. Nope. Interesting. Nope. And I'm still pegging my hopes on Richard E. Grant being Thorn. Yeah. It's possible. And that could be. The Chimera that we see cracking out of the ice. That'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. That that ice planet, though, that we see, which is really, really pretty, and people have said uh, that it's Kajimi, where Zori Bliss, Kerry Russell's character, comes from. Lots of people have been saying that. Hmm. But That's based on a Lego set, isn't it? Because she's a figure. Oh, is it? Yeah, she, she's included in it as a figure. Yeah. One of the new wave of, of, I can't remember which one it is, but yeah, people are making that association. Because I thought that was kind of interesting. There's also this, I, again, this is something that I've just read about um, Palpatine, and, and as we were talking about him, 
is it possible that he's just been sort of dormant all this time and the fact that darkness has risen and light to meet it has reawakened him and without oh. these two characters without these two characters he couldn't come back so the false awakens isn't about the false awakening in 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 ray it's about the false awakening in palpatine yeah oh i like that yeah i like that because if they're trying to find a way to make this become a trilogy to, to the earlier conversation, that yeah. is a great way to do it because everybody thinks the Force Awakens was the Force Awakening in Rey to become this Jedi that we assume she will become. And then obviously battling it out against Kylo. But ultimately, the Force is rising in a greater force, which is Palpatine. Quite, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I, I can buy into that. I really can. And I think when you look at the way the, the, the trailer goes with his comments of... But then again, yeah, the trailer says, I've been waiting a long time for this. Does that mean that he knew this was going to happen? Again, to your earlier question, Ali. And well, that, that he just that is, waited it out. Yeah. Well, someone's... I, again, sorry, I know I, I, I was really interested in this. So I've read a lot of other people's. None of this is original thought, right? But I was reading people saying, if this is his master plan, right, and he always knew he would end up in this situation, why did he build two Death Stars to rule for roughly three or four years? Once they were built. He ruled for about... Well, yeah, once they were built, yes. But That's what I mean. They, they were the ultimate force in the galaxy to control it. But neither one was successful. And it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. And that's the sort of thing that might open if they try and make Palpatine this being his final game plan was this all along. Those are the things which are going to cause this film problems. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what other part of the trailer that I'm struggling with? Gone. Riding horseback on yeah. a star destroyer. On top of the star destroyer. <laughs> yes, uh, how on earth is that a thing? Um, <laughs> Davey, it's, well, it's visually yeah. impressive. Very exactly, impressive. Andy. It looks stunning. And when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh my god, they're riding horseback on a star destroyer!" But then I watched it again. I went, "Oh my god, they're riding bloody <laughs> horses on a spaceship." Now. We don't know where this going with, with any form of suit on. <laughs> I looked at that and I thought, it looks brilliant, but it makes no logical sense. You'd think they'd have learned after the last film and horses. The farriers, whatever they were called. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, the the bike things. Completely yeah. pointless plot device. I was wondering where he was going. These are, but these are real. That's the difference in this one. These are real horses that have been decked out in almost like the banthers were real elephants. With yeah. yeah she, she jumped on top of one to escape the police. Yes, she did. It wasn't real, though. That was all CGI. But do you see what I mean? It's kind of like, oh, not more of this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I could say one thing that jumped out at me. Um, and it's something that I've, I've mentioned previously again. Um, it was one of my previous rants, I'm certain it was. Um, it's the lack of diversity in spacecraft. Yeah. You've got, you've, you've, you've 
got... Um, I mean, okay, so it was one of the good things that, that Andy's already mentioned was um, Palpatine's throne, or what we think is Palpatine's throne. Now, that's a throwback from Ralph McQuarrie, a, a sketch he did in 1981 ahead of Return of the Jedi. So that's great, because that shows something that I actually do love about what they have done, in especially things like Rebels and things like that, where they've gone to some of these original sketches, these original ideas that might have been discarded at the time, but they've kept them, and there's a suitability and there's a, there's a perspective that they could be brought back into the into the story under a different guise. And I like that, and that's brilliant. And, and that's, that's what... When, when you think of the, the fertility of all the various different concept artists that Star Wars Lucasfilm have had over the last 30, 40 years, there's hundreds of such concept sketches out there that they could tap into and use appropriately. So, on that basis, within this trailer, I've seen the Millennium Falcon, I've seen, um, I think, a Ewing, I've seen what looks like a Corellian Corvette, such as the Tantive Four. I've seen mm-hmm. a Hammerhead, I've seen the Ghost, I've seen a B-Wing, I've seen Imperial Star Destroyer from Chimera-class Star Destroyers. You, you're seeing them reusing, I've seen a, um, a Moncal um cruiser you you you're seeing the same you've you've got a 40 year hiatus between the last between Re- return of the jedi and the the um force awakens and we don't know how long this is after um the last jedi it could be straight after it could be it's a year it's no, they've, they've confirmed it's a year after okay so it's, it's okay well it's not that long after then it might as well be yeah. the, the straight after so so you're still using technology that's 40 years old and you you could argue okay i i get you, you get people that say right well you you get boeing 747s that are still flying after 40 years you get um um you, you, you get aircraft today, such as the the Apache helicopter. Now that that was originally that originally came was built in the seventies, early eighties, and has been in use since that time. You, I understand that, but we're not in a period of war at the moment. Whereas when you look at the the evolution of World War Two aircraft within World War Two, you went from aircraft that that the beginning of world war ii they were still using biplanes to some extent no well, fair enough they, they may not have been the most common of aircraft but there were warcraft that were biplanes by the end of world war ii you had jet engined warcraft and that was within six years that that the ingenuity of people trying to get one upmanship on each other in an active war zone allowed you to go from a biplane to a jet within six years i'm i'm just disappointed that we're seeing 40 year old technology i've got a couple of points on that dave i think the first one is you're not alone george lucas thinks that as well we know that because of bob Iger and the book that the thing that george lucas has been annoyed by the most is the lack of this mm-hmm. but i think if you i don't think you've caught up on resistance but resistance gives you the impression that the first order came out of nowhere 
the galaxy wasn't actually at war at all. They didn't think they were at war. They were recovering from a um, dictator almost. And so they were rebuilding. And out of nowhere came this huge force. And so that explains the lack of um, building up a force and changing it because it just wasn't a priority. I think they're kind of trying to make that point in resistance. Mm, yeah. Yeah, um, except you've got, okay, but you've got large industrial planets whose entire remit, if you look at likes of Corellia, whose entire remit is making money for its shareholders by selling technology such as, as, as war machines. There's no difference. You're still going to get skirmishes. You're still going to get um, warfare between individual planets, especially with the breakdown of an empire. You're going to get different um, star systems picking grudge matches against each other. You did this to us 50 years ago. Right, this is our time now because we don't have a, a, a grand moth looking after us anymore. Right, so let's go to arms and, and invade each other. Well, look at... You Look at what DJ said in The Last Jedi. He steals that ship um, with Finn and Rose, and Finn calls him out saying, you're, you're just like... Um, oh, the actual ship that they stole was for an arms dealer. Mm. And he's going yes. through like a, an itinerary of um, TIE fighters, TIE bombers, yes. and then it brings up an X-Wing. It's yeah, like... Yeah. He, 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 war is made on both sides, arguably. Yeah. Um, but... but- but also, I think Resistance has made it pretty clear that the Resistance was formed by General Leia because yeah. the New Republic didn't think there was any threat. So, admittedly, there might be skirmishes, but I don't think there was like a big threat. So, you, so they've already got sufficient crafts that you just improve. Like, you know, we have a Boeing 737. It turns into a Max. Admittedly, kills people. So, not the best example. But um, it was more about slight changes rather than whole scale changes because they genuinely thought it was a time of peace yeah that, that's sort of a lazy excuse to i agree it. no like i agree you've, you've got planets that were given over to become to, to being war machine manufacturers you had the the quad drives the people who built the star destroyers what were they doing for the last 40 years they just sat around happily living off their their previous profits well, They've to give you a World War II example, Dave, they turned into car manufacturers and things like that. Yeah, yes, you, you could argue that. Um, Can I bring us back on topic? Just a <laughs> no. We are on topic because we're discussing the trouble this time. Mm, debatable. Um, I've, got, I've got a question, which is actually about the trailer. It's called The Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Other than a very, very, very small voiceover at the end, there was no Skywalker in the trailer at all. They do think they're hiding a massive, massive plot. There. Well, I'm, I'm still, I'm still going with my theory that Skywalker isn't a word for Jedi or, or for Force users. I'm and that gonna... ties me back into Thrawn and the Chiss. I'm going to counter that and say there are Skywalkers because you've got Leia. You've got Ben Solo, who is partly a Skywalker as well. So there are Skywalkers. Leia appears, but very briefly. However, however, there is a rumour, whether you want to believe it or not, and I did mention this on our 
WhatsApp group that, and I, I kind of, I kind of think this would be quite cool. If Palpatine comes back, I would love to see Anakin come back because, as we've touched on, it's his rise, fall, etc. It's his story. So the rise of Skywalker could be, and I, I do subscribe to this, not massively, but I do, him returning to life or him coming back in this corporeal force ghost like we saw with Yoda. You know, in, in The Last Jedi, they already established that a force ghost is that it could be, and Yoda is, slightly physical, the way he obviously hit Luke with the um, with his stick. We could see some level of corporeal Anakin Skywalker. There's already ro- rumours going around that Hayden Christensen was on set of Episode Nine, um, which could that's be that. That's where I was going with this. That, yeah. You've just, yeah, that's where I was going with this. Uh, Hayden Christensen's whereabouts cannot be confirmed, apparently, uh, while this was being filmed. <laughs> Uh, read into that what you will i read yes. that on a rumor website you know again take it with a pinch of salt but mm. it, that would tell me that he is involved in this in some capacity yeah the other the other theory is that it lends it to what dave was saying now that ray is a skywalker but by skywalker is in i'm what's what's the film i'm i'm spartacus no i'm spartacus it's a whole thing like that that it's yeah you you choose to be a skywalker based on your kind of morals, skills of a lightsaber, Jedi, blah, blah, blah. So could it be that the Jedi do no longer exist, as in the end of Episode 8, Luke says the Jedi must end, but in its place, they become Skullwalkers? Interesting. It's just it's an interesting point. I just, yeah, I just wanted to raise that. And, and, then, and then indeed do... If we go back to the whole team up thing of Ray and, and Ben, do they team up to become Skywalkers because they are he is a Skywalker by birth and she's a Skywalker by choice? That's if she isn't actually a Skywalker. Well that that was my other point oh, because yeah. after watching the trailer earlier, um I went back and watched episode seven and episode eight trailers. I feel sorry uh, for you. Right. <laughs> With it, the start of the start of the, I think it's the Force Awakens one, you've got a voiceover which is Luke, and he says, "The Force is strong in my family." Yes. And obviously, there was there was talk of this at the time, and we're not sure where it was going to go. But he says, "My father has it, my sister has it, and now you have it." And we don't know who he's referring to, but I think the scene they flips onto Ray, implying that he means Ray. So, does that mean that she is actually a descendant of Luke or Anakin? And, do, and will we see that come to fruition in this film? Well, then there's the other theory that she is a child of the midi-chlorian the way Anakin was as well. That's my one. I love the way we all think slightly different things. It's, it's, yeah, I, I can't know. wait for this. I cannot wait for this film. Can, I talk, can we talk about other scenes quickly? Because there's, there's two that I'd like to talk about, and I'm guessing we're pressed for time now. Go on. Um, one of them's... An amazing theory, which I've just just read, which goes back to the, um, which goes back to Cloud City, the Cloud City. Have, have you noticed in the left hand it appears? Well, it's definite that Ray has a dagger. Mm. And we spoke about the Mortis arc, or I did I, last I, time. I've heard that. I've seen the dagger, of, the dagger of Mortis. Yeah. We definitely see her smashing that thing with a dagger. Which then would give a lot of credibility to, to my idea that she could be the daughter and Ben the son. 
So, as a as a Rebels fan, not re- and a Clone Wars fan, yeah, I I I think that would be an absolutely amazing way that they take this because that Mortis trilogy is some of the best Star Wars, period, right? Yes. Movie, TV show, whatever. That trilogy is 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 brilliant. Now we know Dave Filoni's a lot more involved in this than he used to be. Yep, um, and. While I think, and I would love that to go that, that way, because obviously the reach of Clone Wars and Rebels isn't as big mm. as a movie, I think they wouldn't go down that path purely because of that. Do I think they should? Yeah, people are going to be like, well, who, what's more? It's now, does it create intrigue to make people want to go and watch it? Probably. But is it enough to hang a movie off? For me, the fan, yeah, absolutely. But if you're an everyday run-of-the-mill cinema goer, you're going to walk in and go, the son and the daughter of the force, that literally makes no sense. They've never explained this concept to me in any of the nine films or any of the last two films. What are you talking about? The the one thing I would say to that, though, is that, and I could be wrong, and please listen back to a podcast where Dave and I discussed the Mortis trilogy in depth. Um, (laughs) Isn't that one of the few episodes that George Lucas wrote. I'm pretty sure he wrote that trilogy with Filoni. It's not just Filoni. And so we know that George Lucas has been involved slightly more in this film. And it would be a kind of a really cool nod to bring his last big Star Wars effort, which it was, as it turned out, because he had no involvement in 7 and 8, back into it. And I can't understand why she'd be holding a dagger of very little significance in such a critical scene as it looks like they're destroying Darth Vader's mask. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I, I'm the thing that I don't get with that scene. If that is a statue of Vader, which it looks like it is. And if it's his helmet again, which it looks like it is, you've got Kylo Ren in his helmet to the point you made earlier on Ali, that it's his old helmet. Yeah. He's the helmet that he crafted to be, in honour of his granddad to finish what he started, which he even quoted in the film, to then go ahead and destroy it, still wearing the helmet. I I have big issues with that. Yeah, I understand that. I understand that. But I think it's kind of, you can see it. (laughs) Yeah. But it's, as we all know, it's all supposition because we haven't seen the film. That's very true. So, for my last one, and it's a positive one, by the way, um, I, I originally texted someone very excitedly this morning saying, have I just seen Darth Vader? I recently watched Revenge of the Sith and I and I kind of thought that I'd, I'd seen his helmet. But it was Palpatine, wasn't it, with Ray? The side on, yeah. Yeah, the floating chair thingy, yeah. Yeah, because if you look at the, the top right, you can see the bolts and it looks a bit like Vader's helmet. And that's yeah. where I was going for with it, but I think you're right. And as we know, um, Palpatine knows how to use life support machines. He created Vader's suit and uh, General Grievous as well. So he definitely knows how to do this sort of thing. Mm. So I just thought that's an epic scene. If those two characters are coming face to face, which, you know, we've, we've sort of discussed, we thought it might be a ghost previously or something like that. But, but you can see a sort of a fleshy hand. He's more real than we all expected. That's for certain. Well, it is for me yeah. anyway. I, I thought he would be either a, a false ghost or a, a, a holocron or, a recording or something but 
it seems that it is literally going to be the man himself. Yeah. I think I no, no, I think that's I think it's really really awesome. But you know you know your ghost point. Have you have, you know how ghosts there's a big problem with that in Chinese cinema how they'll restrict films for having ghosts in it? Huh? Mm. Chinese yeah. films they they will they will take parts of films out if there's a ghost in it. Apparently, it's a huge problem with Star Wars. And so, if you look at um, Yoda in the last film, he looks much more real than every, any previous Force ghost we've seen. And, and people have been saying, you know, following as we've all seen probably the NBA controversy and how uh, an NBA coach wasn't able to say that the Hong Kong people should have free speech. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Is there a chance that? Um, Disney, stroke Lucasfilm, are not keen to go down the Force Ghost route to stop China being a bit peeved. Iffy. Yeah, yeah iffy. I was trying to think of a polite word to say. I've read that, and I kind of thought that was... I was like, I really hope that's not true, but... It's that is a bit of a, that's a bit of a stretch, isn't it? Well, it's not too much of a stretch. Big corporations want that Chinese money. Yeah, and no but, Star Wars film has broke the Chinese market. No. And so, you know, you market it as the last one. You you pay a bit more respect to their culture. People aren't going to be that bothered if they don't see a Force ghost. The, uh, I don't know, though, because the, none of the other films have broke the Chinese market. It's very, it's, it'd be very strange to try and break it, break it with episode nine and then expect them to go back and watch episodes one to eight. I, I well, agree I with really that. I think they do it with a new one. I think they they, they start a new trilogy and try Move and away, have yeah. a Chinese character yeah. or a main lead or something. Yeah. They're going to do that. What about Rose? But yeah, yeah I know. A bit of a bit part character there, isn't she? Really. But but yeah, part of her remit was to try and appeal to the the the, the, the Asian market. Well, they're Donnie Yen from yeah Rogue One. You know. Oh, it's not new, but but I'm just I'm just pointing out that we kind of thought it was going to be a force ghost because that seemed the most obvious plot point but we can definitely see him as human and flesh which will be interesting because you know we know mark hamill's in it and i don't see how he can't be a force ghost and he's obviously been incredibly absent across all of this but we know but we know he's in it so it'll be interesting to see what they do with that as well i think I can't wait. Just under two months. It's a lot of questions. A lot of questions. I can't think of another film where I've had this many questions going on. Yeah, I agree. Which is really good. Which is really, really good. It's really good. But um, there's certainly been a lot of leaks around this film as well. Some of them spot on. Yeah, exactly. Others of them completely way off. Well, we don't know like, I, I saw what I saw one the other day where they said that the trailer that was coming out yesterday was going to yes. start with a scene of Kylo Ren putting the lightsaber to Palpatine's throat and then Palpatine just laughing at him. That was way off, and that was from one of the most reliable Star Wars resources on the on the internet, apparently. Um, <laughs> so take that. Wait one. until that comes out in a week time in the uh, Japanese version. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> you that international trailer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's the thing. We still haven't um, seen those trailers, but, and they'll be different. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be interesting. They always throw in bits and pieces, don't know what they haven't shown. So, um... Talk, talking of international trailers, and and more just a case of international generally. Now, something that we've debated today 
online. We've we've had a number of WhatsApp chats between the, the group of us. The marketing in the UK seems to be down compared to the marketing in, let's say, the US. There's, there's been quotes today by, is it Atom, that ticket sales in the US are outperforming Endgame. Whereas yeah. First hour still, pre-sales, yeah. 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 Whereas you can still log in um, to buy tickets for midnight showings around the country in the UK because less people seem to be aware of it. The office that I work in, there were people that weren't aware that A, a trailer dropped last night, or B, that there was a Star Wars movie out this year. And and this was the same issue we were seeing on the run-up to Solo being released. Yeah, it seems a, that a, there's a big push in the US market, but not necessarily in the international ones. It's funny because I, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I reckon this film will do better than The Force Awakens in the States. So obviously The Force Awakens was like eight, nine hundred million dollars in the States, which is like the second highest after Endgame now or something like that. Um, I reckon it'll beat that. I don't think it'll beat Endgame. Um, but I think this film will be, and again, this may not age well at all, I think this will be the highest box office grossing Star Wars film ever. Not impossible, because it's the end of what that's, it is. That's the reason why. People who have watched the original trilogy will, will come and want to see it for nostalgia. There are people who will have been divided, like we all were, after 7 and 8, and go, how are they going to redeem it? And it is going to be that. And I guarantee it, and I know that you guys will be the same. This will not be a one-done film for me. I know The, uh, the Last Jedi was for you, Dave, for obvious reasons, and I don't want to go down that route again. But... <laughs> I guarantee that this film will not be a one and one it won't be, and it will yeah. not be and it will be the biggest sorry yeah but as, as yeah, I'm say, just saying, not being deliberately country gone day sorry the, I would say the issue the issue is that we're not seeing the same push in in the UK as we are maybe seeing in the US and and this this just brings up a, a theme that we've had repeatedly amongst ourselves where we're saying that the marketing for the UK for Disney is just out of kilter. It's it's almost like they're, they're not thinking of Star Wars as a hot property that they should be pushing. You, as, as I said, I, I went on a tour of various different toy stores when Triple Force Friday came out and Frozen was all over the Disney store. It, there was nothing to do with um, the rise of Skywalker. You have a look at the the the, the push. Just seems to be America. Um, from talking to to people on Twitter and, and other social media in Europe, generally, so America, uh, sorry, um, to Germany, um, Netherlands, and France, the the availability of merchandise is limited. It's the same as what we're seeing. It's odds and sods. It's hunting around online. There's nothing in the shops. And, and going down the route of, there's no, there's no push that the next big film, I might, arguably, is there another big film this year? Since, since Endgame came out at, um, Toy Story. The other, the other, 
Well, I was going to say, the other side... Well, it's yeah, Frozen. Frozen you're, telling me, you're telling me that they're going to push Frozen ahead of Star Wars. Maybe. A, a property they've bought for $4 billion, and yet they're going to push Frozen 2. So, Dave, I went to Tesco tonight, and they had loads of Frozen merchandise. No Star Wars. I was going to say, that's an interesting segue, because unbeknown to me, and somebody just sneaked up on me over my shoulder, because she started to hear us talk about box office and expectations and whatnot. So for the first time ever on a Jedi Council podcast, I'm going to quickly introduce my wife, Catherine. Oh, uh, hi, Catherine. Hi. As, hi. As she, uh, has, she wants to throw in her two pennies worth when it comes <gasps> to box office and stuff like that. Yeah. Go on. I think it's important to know, as someone who has spent a lot of time looking into this, that, you know, when you look at um, previous trilogies, that actually the first Star Wars movie has always been the most successful. For The second is obviously the biggest dip. And then the third is typically between the first and the second movie. And I think it would be fair to say that's where Disney is kind of setting the bar. I think to your point, Dave, where you were saying about the States, there's definitely more leverage and opportunity to expand the Star Wars um merchandise and kind of the offering in the states just because the market is so much bigger um disney have to be very mindful that they've got different franchises and sadly i think frozen 2 is going to top the box office but let's watch that space um but i think you know retail have probably gone after frozen now knowing that people are thinking about christmas and i would say it's probably fair to say that star wars is yet to to come in store i think that you're going to see a lot more star wars and i think once you start to see more content drop in you will see more product out in store i i, I really hope so i really do that that's my dream <laughs> <laughs> Alex, can i make a bet with you based on what Catherine's just said and what I was thinking anyway I, I don't think this star wars film will do half of what endgame did <gasps> do you want to know why i think that? so you don't think it will clear a billion no, I think it, well, on Catherine's estimates, it would be around that mark. Well, I think what Endgame ended up at, what, 85 million? I'm talking UK. UK box office. I was talking office. UK, sorry, I was talking overall. Um, I My money would be on what? The first movie was, what, phenomenal, 125 million UK. If you said that the second one was, what, I think it was about 43, 43 to 50K. Million. I, million. I think you're looking at at least 70 plus. I'd be shocked yeah. if it didn't top 75 to 80. That, that's kind of where I'm pitching it, like in an overall type thing. The reason being as well is these films are getting longer and longer. Yep. And this is going to be a two and a half hour to three hour film, somewhere in that. You and I will go and see it multiple times, but your regular person who turns up because Star Wars is an event will see it once, maybe twice. Yeah. They're not going to sit through a three hour film five, six times. And that's, that's, that's the difference between Avengers Endgame and this Star Wars is that, that Endgame was such an event and such an end of the, of the third phase that people wanted to go see it and dissect it in multiple ways. I don't think people are going to do that. I think they're going to go and watch this film once or twice, the casual people. Yeah. It's so long. And, and the difference is, is that in six months' time, you can get it on DVD. You yeah. couldn't do that ten years ago no. or stream it live. So you watch it twice, and then instead of spending, what, 30, 40 quid to go to the cinema, mm. you spend a tenner on a DVD in three 
four months time watch it as many times as you want I, I, I agree I do agree with that to some extent I was also going to say coming coming back to, to you Catherine yeah uh, when you looked at Endgame before it hit the cinemas yeah there was loads of hype we knew yeah the, the, the cinema was the 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 the, the the marketplace as a whole, the, mm. the, the movie marketplace, was mm. talking about Endgame six, nine months before Endgame hit the cinemas. Yeah. We're, we're less than 60 days away from The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a tough one. I think Disney has to manage it um, in terms of the two properties that they're launching. They're launching them incredibly, credibly close. Um, I think the other thing is, is that there is you've you've probably seen this the engagement with retail on what they're doing it's yeah. tough they've been burnt yeah. with star wars you know you look at the top selling lines it's lego you know it and and that's the proven because success. they sell to someone whether you're a star wars fan or not exactly that's it so i think retailers are going to hold back and they're going to wait till the 11th hour and the nature of the product means that they you know in some respects they have the opportunity to do that but i think it's going to be important that disney works with each of the licensees that when this does go nuts as i'm sure it will at christmas and that hype starts to happen you don't have empty shelves because that's bad for you guys as the fans and that's bad for disney um as a property and a franchise and you know their brand representation Mm. no mate that makes sense to me um i just again i just fear it might be a little bit too little too late a bit like solo felt again i might with solo you you had the competing disney franchises you had um black panther you had avengers um infinity war both of those dropped in the run-up to solo dropping and that was the focus for disney yeah solo was not the focus and and that's what we felt like at the cinema I think the other thing is with it being Disney and you'll see this from the the Disney brand it's about having evergreen brands as well that you come into that you don't isn't necessarily around a tentpole release but you come into as a young child you evolve with the brand you grow with the brand and you stay with the brand so it's not like that pivotal moment where you come in you watch the movie and then it drops away it's about having an evergreen business that supports 365 days of the year so I think you can definitely see that in Disney when you look at what they're doing in the park so in Disney Disneyland Paris in Jan, Feb and March they're going to do the Star Wars event because obviously that's a cold time to go to Paris but brilliant because you it's just after theatrical um, for the new movie and then you've got it coming out on home ends then you've got different things happening at Disney World with Galaxy's Edge and kind of the opening of Star Wars Hotel so they're trying to strategically plan different things which is a moment in time that you come into the franchise rather than it being all about one tentpole release which is probably where its downfall was when it first took on Lucas yeah yeah as again a valid valid point um you just strangely you walk into supermarkets you walk yeah. into toy shops at the moment and you'll see avengers toys knocking about you'll mm. see and and for me mm. star wars was the first movie tv franchise brand yeah. to track the toy market yeah and at the moment it seems to be losing what it managed to crack it it was the brand 
that launched the likes of Avengers. You you wouldn't have Avengers mm. today, and you wouldn't have Avengers toys on in this in the supermarkets no. if it had not been for Star Wars. Yeah, and it, it just seems to have lost its way slightly. I think. Mm. Yeah. So just to add a little bit of context for our listeners. Um, the reason why Catherine sounds so expert at this particular <laughs> information is because she works for Disney. Uh, so I look after Princess and Frozen. But. Yeah, it's, a little bit, it's not inside of information, uh, but yeah. it is just an educated voice. Whereas normally you guys listen to us and we're very much guessing, excited, <laughs> hoping, wanting, uh, rather than an articulate way of describing what's going on. Can I ask Catherine a question? Yeah, go on. <laughs> So, as someone who's very interested in somewhere like, say, Galaxy's Edge randomly in a few weeks' time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, do you think, if, if, you're, if, if we're saying that, you know, evergreen content and having tent poles, do you think that we'll see a concerted push sort of in November and we might start seeing things happening in specific Disney locations as sort of a... Um, I don't know how to say it, how, it's sort of like for the true, for the big fans, the people that go and spend the big money and will go to Galaxy's Edge. Do you think you'll start seeing that sort of brand loyalty rewarded in the first instance before it goes wider? Yeah, I think you definitely will. And I'm going to be be honest, like this is my honest opinion. Like as you guys know, Alex and I are big Disney fans. We go out to the parks an awful lot. I think they're trying, Disney appeals to everyone with every budget of every age. And I think they've always tried to do that with the parks because Walt had this emphasis that he wanted everyone to go. But I'm going to be honest, and Ali, you'll see this in a few weeks. Personally, having been to Galaxy's Edge in LA, I think it's built for the fans. I absolutely think it was for the fans. And even in some of the experiences and some of the prices, they're very high end. And I think your typical 2.4 family aren't necessarily going to have the budget or the inclination to do some of these experiences. And I think it's about that immersion for the hardcore fans that you can actually go into that world that up until this year you could only ever dream about. You know, just going to cantina and having a drink, it's not a cheap experience. No. But I think things like that are elevated so that hardcore fans can go and be truly immersed. Because we're moving in society from a purchase world um, to about experiences. Mm. And so, you know, to Dave's point, going into the entertainer and buying a piece of Star Wars merchandise that's brilliant but it doesn't create that experience so i think disney are going to push a lot on galaxy's edge they've invested a lot across the franchise and they've invested a lot in building the land so now they need to make it work and they need to get fans like you guys to get out there to experience it to actually make their return on investment but i think it's quite exciting some of the things they're doing um and, you know, I know there's been a lot of negative feedback, but actually I, I can honestly say, and I don't think Alex would disagree with me, that I was completely blown away by it. <laughs> yeah, um, I just, I was looking around for all the vehicles going over the top of my head. It's that real. It really is. You, you are not at Disney. And I think they can just expand and do so much more. And I think with the announcement of the pre- three presidents that are going to take on the parks, I think they're only going to go from strength to strength. It's funny you say that because on the last podcast that we had, I was going to give a review of Galaxy's Edge and I didn't get around to it because we ran out of time. But you've just given a quick review of Galaxy's <laughs> Edge. I have. Sorry. So, uh, well, I, I, I think that's just, really interesting. Just, 
Sorry, Dave, go on. No, no, I, I was just, just as, as a response to that, mm. um, I know that the, the guys on, on here are all hardcore fans, otherwise mm. we wouldn't be doing this type of, no, of course. Star Wars podcast, the website, um, the, the tweets, everything else that we do. Yeah. Um, and, and I would say that I've been a Star Wars, hardcore Star Wars fan for 40 years now. My yeah. kids have been brought up to be hardcore mm-hmm. Star Wars fans. Um, and But Galaxy's Edge will, will always be out of reach. Mm. And, and... But that, that's the point I was going to raise, though, Dave, mm. because conversely, right... Um, you, you might still go and buy the figures, right? But for me, if I ever buy a lightsaber, it's going to be in Galaxy's Edge for that experience point that Catherine mm. made. So if Disney want my money, and they've never had it before for Star Wars, mm. like I want to buy a T-shirt, a Star Wars T-shirt. I don't own a Star Wars T-shirt, no. but because I'm going to Galaxy's Edge, mm. I want one. And like I've been looking at... I want the Adidas ones, but I've been looking at that. And, and before... Star Wars would never have got that money out of me. So maybe to Catherine's point, the the profiles changing because they're so they know people who've bought those collectibles will still buy them. Yeah. And so the strategy is to get people like me to buy instead. Yeah. I think also to your point, Dave, around the affordability, having come from a retail background, and I think the successes of retail is to have a strategy which is known as good, better and best. So you're appealing to all types of people. So for those that want to spend $250 on a lightsaber, but they choose their own hilt, right word? Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) And their own blades and their own crystal to put inside it. That's the best. That's, you know, you can go, Disney will take your money, they'll give you an experience, you'll never forget it. But then also Disney is trying to work with like with retailers like Primark that are on every high street for people that can't necessarily get to the parks, that can't necessarily, you know, have those experiences. And in the Disney store as well, that to try and give them a brilliant experience, but at that affordability price. I think it's key that Disney, whilst they do a lot for the real fans that are going to, you know, invest, come high or high, you know, high water to get out to the parks. I think it's also important that they do stuff on, you know, in the markets and at retail so that everyone can experience it. Yeah, it just feels a bit painful you using the term for the real fans that get out to California mm. or Florida. It yeah. implies that if you don't, you're not a real fan. No, I... the reality of it is, it's it is an it's an unachievable dream for for a lot of real fans. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's it's finding the balance. But I would say the Galaxy's Edge. You know, to all of your listeners, I get it. You know, it's many people, Disney is once in a lifetime and you get out there and you go and experience it. You have an amazing two weeks. But I would say it will, as a as a true fan, you would never regret the money or the dollar that you spend getting out there. I, I just can't. I my em- wife might be. <laughs> <laughs> I can find some nice bars for her that are not Star Wars. <laughs> 
but you know Disney are investing in a lot in the parks and I think the fans will will come I, I can only imagine what this hotel is going to be like but um you know it's an amazing experience and I hope that they do some different offers and things to make it affordable you know whether that's free dining or things that they do in parks to to get the fans out there because it's just a phenomenal experience and like I said I I am not the true fan in our house um but um I was absolutely blown away and I I can't wait to go in a few weeks and experience it on the east coast Mm. and with that slight tangent sorry lasting 25 minutes um back to the trailer it was a very interesting tangent Catherine what did you think of the trailer um I watched it this morning and I thought I need to get more licenses to do some Lucas Arts and Crafts it was what's called out to me that we need slime and dough right okay (laughs) now I think it's really good (laughs) I'm not sure I understand it all but I never do right Alex you have to explain it to me But I think it's brilliant, and I still stand by my strategy of uh, first, second, and third. Um, first, third, and second. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking 75 million plus. What about globally? Well, I don't talk on a global level. Yes. Oh, I don't know. Millions and billions. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's less than the Force Awakens. Yeah, I think it will. That's be. what I reckon. Yeah, it I, will be. I said no. Really? Just the last one ever. You'll get more people that didn't bother with the second movie that will come back in to see it because it is the last movie and it's right. the end of the trilogy. But I Number think... Nine. Yeah. But I think, ultimately, you will never recapture what Disney did with Lucas in 2015 because you hadn't had content in such a long time that actually it was just that momentum was phenomenal. And I think... That's he, true. I think you will never get that again. I think there there are just naturally people that just went to see it that didn't actually, were not fans or, you know, they they just went to see it purely because there was another Star Wars movie. And I don't know that they'd be that fussed about the third movie. And I think that's the thing. Everyone got excited that the second movie was going to be just as big. Whereas we know from when you look at the box offices and the performance, Mm. it does, it does dip. But I'd like to think. Well, even Avengers did. When you compare Avengers to um, what was the second, second one? Yeah. Yeah. Age of Ultron. Yeah. Age of Ultron. That completely got the comic wrong, but anyway, <laughs> that dipped massively compared to Avengers Assemble. Yeah. But then, but then to that point though, how has Marvel managed to keep going up and up and up in recent times, and Star Wars hasn't? What's I the difference? I've got a feeling that could be a whole podcast on its own. <laughs> well, I, I just want because we got Catherine on. Like, what? Why do you think that Marvel's been able to? So, so I think you're absolutely right that the momentum came from the not having the content for so long. Mm. But, but Marvel's had loads of content and multiple films, and it just keeps getting bigger. Mm. That is true. So, what is the difference? My personal opinion is is that Marvel's had a run of a lot of content drops, whereas Star Wars is about those tentpole releases. So you have three. Whereas Marvel's been able to expand the universe in that it's brought in different characters. So you found that actually then you've got um, 
Doctor Strange has come out of that. You've then got Ant-Man and the Wasp, just to name a few of movies that have come as a siphon off of um, Avengers and the Marvel Universe. I think the other thing is, is that Marvel Universe, I think, being honest, kids come into it at a younger age. Right. I think Spidey is, I mean, thinking of our nephew, Zach, he came into Marvel with Spidey. That's who he knew. And now he's learning the rest of the universe. He knows Star Wars, don't get me wrong, but he hasn't seen the movie. He's not ready for it yet. I think but, I've also said in the past um, yeah. about Marvel, this is slightly controversial being on a Star yeah. Wars podcast, but I think, <laughs> I think Marvel or the Marvel Universe has a broader appeal. Yeah, I agree. And yeah. I, think, I think Star Wars definitely has a slightly narrower niche yeah. in terms of fan base. And, and that we've also talked about before about the cool factor and the fact that mm. being a geek wasn't very cool back in the day. And, you know, it's cooler to go and see a Marvel film than it would yeah. be to a Star Wars film, I think. I think that's still yeah. the case. It's a bit more mainstream. Yeah. But, to, yeah. but to take your data point further then, Catherine, mm. and you can yeah. tell me to shut up if I go too far, <laughs> would, would, would you say that mm. when you are looking at a Marvel film, Disney mm. might say this is the characteristics of someone who is likely to go to a film, buy the DVD, buy the products. And with Star Wars, mm. would you have the same thing and say that there is a problem with that fan base? I'd say Star Wars fans are more unpredictable. Having because my background is I'm home. I, I worked in home entertainment for nearly ten years. So I worked at Tesco where we um, bought product from all the studios and sold it in the grocery stores. And then I went to Disney where I sold in home entertainment, so DVD and Blu-ray to um, to retailers um, across the UK. Star Wars, from what I know, Star Wars fans they're very passionate, and if they feel um, you know, like you say, the broader appeal for Marvel. If if Star Wars fans feel they don't like something, they will vote with their feet and they won't buy something or they won't go and see it a second time because you're very passionate as a community of people about the content and the story that is told. So it's very unpredictable when you're working on this side to try and understand what the you know demand is going to be because it really always driven by people like you guys that are talking about the content, how you feel about it, whether you think it's gone the right way or not. That is very driven by that. Marvel has the big box offices or the platinum releases like Avengers Endgame. They create that buzz. It's different people that go and see it. If you look in the cinema, there's not a specific person that will be sitting in that cinema. It appeals to all. But I think what you can see is a pattern of collectors that then are buying into home entertainment. So it's much easier to forecast and predict how that's going to fare. Because it's almost, you know, people have just got into the movie. Some people just go and watch it at the cinema and they're absolutely fine. They've seen the latest Marvel movie. Like you say, it's a trend. It's fashionable to go and watch a Marvel movie, but they won't, they won't buy into it at home ends. The hardcore fans will buy into it every time. They want to complete a collection. Whereas one thing I did learn with Star Wars being a very new Disney property, fans vote with their feet. So don't take it as a given that fans are going to love it. They're going to buy it regardless. And that's why I think it's really important to have the good, better, best strategy and the right product at the right place at the right time. And to give the fans ultimately the content that they want. But you, you outside of the the home entertainment collectible mm. 
so let's let's say you your your toys yeah. your figures your your artwork mm-hmm. your everything that goes around that yeah. and even going into like the more mature um yeah. aged collector like we are really yeah, yeah. where you've got more disposable income and, and you're not buying it as t- yep Has it gone dead? Have we, we lost, lost Dave? Dave? I think we've, we've lost Dave. Dave. We've lost Dave. Okay. But what, what I would say to Dave's point, though, and, and, and the way Catherine has explained this has been so brilliant to me, <laughs> to, her point, to her point earlier, when I said I was buying a Star Wars T-shirt, I said I was buying an Adidas one. <laughs> I want the expensive one. I don't want yeah. the Primark one. I don't want the middle one. I want the one that not many people have. Mm. So I see how that strategy works, yeah. and I and I do really understand how if I buy one t-shirt at forty quid, mm. you have to sell what eight at Primark yeah. for five quid to make the same amount. Yeah, definitely. And Walt, so get strat- it. <laughs> Walt strategy. That's what that's what the foundation of Disney is on. Is every child take it to like Frozen and Princess? Every child should get to experience the Disney magic regardless of race gender creed budget every child should get to experience that that's what we talk about day in day out and now star wars is part of that family it's the same we've got dave back sorry apologies i don't know what happened (laughs) um i don't don't know if you answered i don't even know if you heard my no i didn't hear you sorry though (laughs) so so what what sorry what i was gonna say was you you've got from a from a collectible perspective, mm-hmm. so we're not talking necessarily toys, although toys would come into it. Mm-hmm. But you, you you're heading towards the more expensive end of mm-hmm. the collectible market. Mm-hmm. I don't see the same scale of collectibles for the likes of Marvel and DC, which are the two mm-hmm. as as close as, or even Star Trek. Really, the, mm-hmm. those are the the the, the most comparable galaxies and and uh, movie universes to to Star Wars, mm. you don't tend to get the same maturity, and and I don't mean as in old age. I mean as in the 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 breadth and the scale of mm. the collectible markets for those mm. separate galaxies, universes, whatever you mm. want to call. Them, yep. As you do for the Star Wars one. Yeah. So, h- how do you target? The, the collectibles in that category when the, you, you'll you'll get you'll get marvel filling a cinema because it mm. is broad church mm. but you're not necessarily pinning on making a fortune out of selling toys on the back of it no. whereas with star wars yeah it's almost like you want to make the money in the cinema mm. however star wars has made its money in the collectible market mm. So how do you, how are you, or how can you go for that when, as you've, you've mentioned, there is the, the, the Star Wars fans walk mm. with their feet? Mm. Disney, you know, we're not experts at this. We bought, Dis- we bought Lucas how many years ago now? Nine. Four, Nine? No, 2000. 2012. 12, yeah. Seven years. Yeah. And I think... You know, you look at the Disney community. I mean, 
Ali, you're going to see some real nutters out there in a few weeks. Um, me and Alex being two of them. Yep. That will and spend my girlfriend, the other one? Yep, she will be converted. That spend a fortune on Disney. But I think there's so much to learn from the true fans. I think we've still got a lot to learn on product, being completely honest. You know, I'm, I'm relatively new to my role and I'm learning every day about how kids come into these franchises, how they play, what they want. And, you know, fan communities like yours are integral. Disney needs to spend time watching and listening to you guys to truly understand what you want. Well, uh, I hope I, not. <laughs> but I, th- I think it's important, right? Because, you know, Star Wars fan, I said this, they, they vote with their feet. And if you're not happy with something, you're not going to just buy a DVD to complete a collection on a bookshelf. Well, as the rest of the guys will know this, I own only one Last Jedi collectible. Yeah. And that was something I bought before the movie came out. And I have, I have not bought another Last Jedi collectible because it just didn't resonate with me. Yeah. So, Dave, I have a question for you. Now you've seen the trailer and you're starting to get a taste of Rise of the Resistance, do you think you... That's the ride in Disney World. I'm sorry. (laughs) Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. (laughs) Sorry, I don't know, do I? I'm not that expert. Right, let's just call it my name. I think it's much more fun. Um, Let's just double Star Wars 3. Episode 9. Episode 9, yeah. Would you... Do you think you'll be buying merch... For that movie. Do you like what you see so far? Yes, I do. Um, and and sadly, as the rest of the guys know, I went out looking for some on Triple Force Friday and couldn't <laughs> find it. Watch this face. Don't don't give up yet. Oh. I, I think you know there's what, how many dates to go? Is it six two months to go? Two months to go. There's a there's a lot to come. And I think that's a great way to round it back to the trailer because that has been a, incredibly insightful, and B, yes. I think it's an opportunity. Mate, we need to get you back on the show oh. for a part de. Uh, I didn't call it the right name. Well, you've, been, <laughs> you've invited back anyway. So. Um, but I think, 100% she's a natural. Yeah, and I think that's a great way to bring it back to, to the trailer. Um, we have been going for an hour and 45-ish. Didn't expect it to last this long, not going to lie. This was this, this one of our short podcasts, this one, wasn't this it? Is, that was the plan. Well, we, that was the, it was supposed to only last less than an hour, but uh, but we got carried away, and I think that's a good chance to jump in for some final thoughts, guys. Um, Andy, starting with you, my man. Final thoughts on A, about the trailer. Uh, <laughs> you can talk about anything else you've heard tonight, and Catherine has left the <laughs> She's gone. Um <laughs> and, um, final thoughts, mate. Final thoughts. How do, how do I wrap that up? Um, first of all, great thank you to Catherine. That was really, really insightful. She's a natural. She um, definitely needs to come on a future podcast. Um, in terms of the trailer, yeah, massively, massively excited. Cannot wait. Less than two months. We've got our tickets booked. Um, I'm, I'm going down to London and, and watching it with Alex. But yeah, just, just really, really excited. Um, a couple of very, very, very small things. Um, the duration of the film has been announced officially. Now the tickets are on sale, and it's only three minutes longer than The Last Jedi. Um, I think people thought it was going to be 
closer to three hours, but it's not. It's um, it is going to be the longest Star Wars film ever, but only by a couple, a couple of minutes longer than the Last Jedi. Yep. Um, and second of all, um, just as a just as a bit of a fact check for for what Dave mentioned earlier about about ticket sales in the UK, I did just have a quick look at my local cinema, and I reckon half of the midnight showing has now been sold, and that compares with uh, I mentioned it on our WhatsApp group that the, the the tickets for the Endgame, Avengers Endgame, um, midnight show in sold out. I think it was 11 and a half minutes or something like that. Um, and that the entire cinema was booked. So that, that compares the demand. We're now, we're now over 12 hours um, into the bookings being open. And you can still get at least half of the IMAX screen. Um, it's available. So yeah, just that's a bit of a factual mm-hmm. look at, at, at demand. Compared to compared to Avengers, which I think they're similar releases, you know, the end of the franchise, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, but yeah, we won't, I won't ramble. We're wrapping up. That, that's my final thoughts. Can't wait to see the movie. Dave, final thoughts from you, mate. I am still looking forward to it, despite my my comments and thoughts of episode eight. Um, I want to see the end of this. Looking forward to it. I have hope that the story will complete and everyone will be happy. Um, the trailer, visually stunning, absolutely amazing from, from a visual perspective. Introduced some fantastic new scenery. Um, I just, yeah, I, I, I wish there was more ships. New ships. I think that, that's, that's my final thought. Mr. Contrary. So I've spent a lot of time highlighting what I'm worried about. And I I think it's partly because I care about this. Like, I really care about it. And I may be falling into that trap of headcanon, which I think is a real problem, particularly for people of my age where things don't go the way they want it to but i agree i agree with dave that there's there's a lot to be excited about with this film (laughs) i think we've waited so long in total for the payoff of this final film so i'm not sure what the payoffs will be individually or collectively as a whole but it's so exciting to know that in under two months we'll have all the answers to the questions that we've been putting out tonight and I, and I find that really exciting I'm done okay my final thoughts are thank you very much to my wife for joining um, unexpectedly um, which was a, an interesting tangent that we went on massive tangent even more bigger than normal um, compared to, to that but um trailer wise yeah enjoyed it like it one thing we didn't touch on is the music and the music was as always with a star wars song the music is on point um so that for me is something that i'm looking forward to the other thing that i didn't get to talk about um but wanted to just say about the actual trailer itself was that I just enjoyed it. I just like watching it. It was one of these things that I could kind of put on repeat and I've seen it about 10 times. Um, and I, I think because as we've discussed, there's, there is a lot of questions that 
having the questions makes me want to watch it more to learn more about the way they're going to end it. I really hope it's not setting us up for failure. Um, but I am looking forward to it. And just as a quick round, run Robin, for the benefit of the listeners, Andy and I got to see it. We're doing a triple bill. Um, we are going to sit in the Cineworld Cinema at the O2 in London. First film starts at 6 p.m. That's right, isn't it, mate? It is indeed, yeah. Yep. Also, I can 6 p.m. pronto. Perfect. For 445 minutes of Star Wars goodness. <laughs> um, <coughs> with The Last Jedi chucked in the middle, to a certain extent. Um, but looking forward to that. Um, and I believe cinema kicks out at about 20 past three in the morning. So I'm looking forward to that. Andy, you're looking forward to that. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. And of course, we'll be joined by your other half, Beck, who is, yes, is yes. going to be joining as well. Uh, Dave, you've got midnight tickets. I have indeed. Um, myself and a friend called Scott. Um, we are in the middle of Manchester watching it at what was the Odeon and is now the, the Printworks view. Um, so we'll be there midnight. But we're just going to see the, the one movie. We're not going to do the triple bill. And Ali, you are to be confirmed. Well, uh, yeah, but I've had an idea. <laughs> There's a 6am showing. <laughs> I think I might go to that. Well, before work? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because if I go to bed at 10, get up at half five, by the time the thing's gone, I can watch it before work because I've suddenly got FOMO. I don't want you. I don't want to have to switch you guys off of WhatsApp for a whole day. <laughs> you have to mute this us. Is happening, so I could end up in a very real situation where I go and watch it at six o'clock in the morning, and then go watch it again with Andy in the evening. I'm up for that. <laughs> Sounds good. I mean, I won't be joining you for the morning show. And I'll be well, I wouldn't expect away, you. You'll, you'll, you'd have come out two hours before Absolutely. I go. Absolutely. You could yeah. sleep, <laughs> sleep in the cinema, mate. You'd be fine. Three hours later. Seriously, isn't that a great idea? A six o'clock showing, so you can watch it before work. I've seen that, yeah, I've seen the same. There was one of the um, seats that I could buy at The View, 6am. So that way you, you yeah. can get the sleep, but you'll still be able to talk about it when everyone else can the next so, morning. So hopefully, by the time we get to 9am the following morning, we will yeah. all have seen the movie, at least once, anyway. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely, I'm hoping perfect. so. <laughs> and I look, for, I look forward to reconvening to dissect the movie in great detail. You know, we did two and a half, three full shows of The Last oh. Jedi. Um, I don't, well, we maybe, maybe we will, I don't know. <laughs> maybe we won't um, go into that much detail. It'll all depend on what JJ does. But with that in mind, we are the Jedi Council. Thank you very much for listening to us ramble on for an hour and 50 odd minutes of the trailer. Personal feelings about what's going on with episode nine insight into the world of disney stroke lucasfilm from from catherine um and don't forget to check us out we are at the jedi underscore council at twitter we are at the jedi underscore council underscore tjc on instagram you can find us on facebook we are tjc underscore the jedi council uh, or you can find us online we are www.z-jedi-council.com Find us on Spotify, find us on iOS podcast app, find us on SoundCloud, find us on player.fm to download this very podcast. And remember, leave us a message, leave us a review, give us a five-star review. We like them the best. Um, and don't forget, may the force be with you. Remember, 
the force will be with you.